Welcome to the Sports Technology Podcast. In this episode, we speak with Mr. Liam Kilmartin, a lecturer in electric and electronic engineering at the National University of Ireland in Galway. <laughs> Liam developed a prototype goal line technology system for the Irish sport of hurling and has followed the development of similar systems over the years. We talk about the technology available today and the arguments for and against implementing goal line technology in various sports. For more information, be sure to check out our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com, and follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Technology Podcast. Today I'm joined by Henry. Hello. And uh, my name is Mike. Um, we're g- we're going to talk about goal line technology and score detection systems today with Liam Kilmartin, who's a lecturer at NUI in Galway, which is the National University in Ireland. He's a lecturer in electrical engineering, electrical and electronic engineering. And uh, Liam, welcome to the podcast. And why don't we begin by just having you introduce yourself and telling us a little bit about some of the, the work you've been doing and maybe how it relates to score detection systems and, and goal line technology in general, and then we can get going from there. Hi, Mike. Um, thanks very much for having me on today. I suppose a little bit about my own background. I've been a lecturer here in Galway, which is the university over on the west coast of Ireland for the last about 20 years, actually, uh, a long time now. And my initial... Um, interest in the whole area of signal pulsing communication systems, so um, basically electronic technology, software for trying to interpret uh, information coming from the real world. I guess my uh, original interest in online technology came from a project that I was the uh, principal investigator on that we did nearly 15 years ago at this stage. And I'm going to have to give you a little bit of background, Ireland, in talking about this project. The project was actually funded by an organization here in Ireland called the Gaelic Athletic Association, or the GAA for short. The GAA is basically the uh, biggest uh, sporting body in Ireland, and they're covering, uh, they cover sports that are actually indigenous to Ireland, two particular sports, a version of football called Gaelic football, and a field sport called hurling, which is, it's a, it's a bat and ball game, which, uh, to, uh, the international audience, I'd describe as somewhat of a cross between hockey and lacrosse, if you can visit something like that. Essentially, uh, the players use a, a bat that's not unlike a hockey bat, but uh, a lot of the time the ball is uh, played through the air rather than on the ground, and the ball is about the size and shape and weight of a hockey ball, so it's quite, quite a, uh, a decent hard ball. And the game is played on a pitch that's about similar dimensions to a uh, a rugby pitch, so quite a large pitch, and the scoring area is similar to rugby. There's a point scoring area above crossbar, and the goal scoring area is similar to uh, soccer, below the, uh, below the crossbar. So essentially back in 1996-97, we were approached by the GAA. They were having some uh, controversies concerning points being scored in the game of hurling in particular. The reason being that the, the ball, which is, as I said, the bus size of a hockey ball, can travel over speeds of the order of 100 uh, plus kilometers an hour and so they were having some cases where points were uh, not being awarded due to the fact the ball was uh, just going too fast and the umpires that stand at the goal line weren't in a position to reposition themselves and uh, make the right decision. So we undertook a um, two-year project back then, we started right actually from uh, 98 to uh, 2000. Uh, initially, just looking in general at what types of technologies might be usable to implement automated score detection, we developed a prototype system that was a, a video analysis, a real-time video analysis-based prototype that demonstrated capability of, um, for automated 
points to protect them in the game of hurling. Now, none of the stuff really we developed at the time was specific to hurling. Um, it's quite generic. You need to pull some type technology, camera, uh, machine vision technology that uh, uh, could be used in, in any type of, of, of ball sport for, for, uh, for uh, tracking the position of the ball and then converting its position in multiple cameras that would be synchronized from two dimensions as the ball would appear obviously in an individual uh, video stream into a, its real world three-dimensional position uh, compare that then to the actual scoring area uh, above the crossbar between the goalposts uh, and that would allow you to track the ball uh, in those three dimensions and determine whether the score would happen. So we developed this proof of concept at the time using, looking back on it, it was cutting edge uh, computer hardware and very, very costly computer hardware at the time. I remember at the time we had a budget of about the equivalent, I guess, of of about 30,000 euros. Uh, that's come back to the mid-1990s, probably in terms of inflation, probably about 100,000 euros to, to do this complete project. And we developed a nice little prototype uh, that ran in the lab using off-the-shelf uh, digital cameras, a custom DSP board. It uh, worked well in terms of uh, a prototype. Now, at the end of the project, we went back to uh, our uh, sponsors at GAA and uh, went to them and said, look, we've got this prototype proof concept. They were basically interested in, well, how much would it cost to go from this to a real-life system they could deploy in their main stadium, which is up in Dublin, capital of Ireland, capacity of about uh, 80,000, I think, quite large, quite large stadium. Some people might remember that's where the Irish rugby team played their Six Nations uh, games while the main rugby stadium was being redeveloped about two years ago. Uh, so a very big venue. So we went back and we said, look, at, at the time, I think we said, look, this is going to cost somewhere between uh, 300, 400,000 euros to continue on. Uh, and they're a purely amateur organization. They looked at it and said, look, it's a big risk for the time. We recognize this potential here, but we just don't have the funds to take it forward. So um, that particular project, that, that's where it ends. Now, coincidentally, as I've said before to other people, it's similar and unbeknownst to us. It was a project being uh, a nascent project uh, developing over the UK in uh, Rogue Manor, which was eventually going to lead to um, to the Hawkeye system, which in many ways some of the uh, techniques and the approaches we were proposing, particularly going from uh, a multi-camera-based system to look at the real world to a, a three-dimensional camera, a three-dimensional view of the world, it's uh, very, very similar to the uh, technology in which uh, Hawkeye is based. So that that was my original sort of introduction to the whole area of online technology. So that was um, that was a, a fair while ago. It, has the technology cheapened to to bring that bring that basically the same prototype system back into question again for the full time use? Well, the particular prototype system we developed, um, the money sort of we we kind of outlined to our, our sponsors would have uh, would have been focused on. Areas uh, such as using high-speed custom cameras, going from a wired communication link between the cameras to the processing computers to wireless system. So an awful lot of technologies have naturally progressed in the last 15 years uh, to make these components and, and these uh, functional parts of our, our proposed solution far more uh, achievable in terms of uh, of the system. But in terms of um, mass deployment, we say. Which was another concern of our sponsor at the time. They've got, uh, they're a grassroots organization that basically have, uh, clubs in, in virtually every town and village in, in the country here. They, they were looking at it and saying, look, 
could we deploy the system down to the level of uh, town or village clubs, and, and that's where the um, the costs start coming in. The hardware costs itself is relatively small. It's more the ongoing running costs. These aren't systems where you install and basically it's going to run in an automated fashion. You need uh, expertise on site to do calibrations and to do uh, surveys and uh, what have you regularly, possibly between uh, uh, before every 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 game. So that's where the ongoing cost will, uh, is really going to make itself apparent. You know? So technology certainly has cut down on the hardware cost, but there are other costs there which are, are difficult really to uh, argue uh, that they're feasible, except in a handful of venues uh, at, a, at, a, at a national level. Not when it comes to soccer in, in the very large clubs, uh, the the, uh, the, uh, the leagues around Europe that uh, have lots of uh, have lots of uh, revenue to uh, fund this sort of activity. Yeah, that's a really interesting point because with kind of the introduction of score detection systems or goal line technology, you're almost creating a new set of rules or a new set of kind of circumstances that referees and umpires have to follow with these systems as well. So is that kind of part of the challenge? Obviously, there's the technical challenge, but then also making sure it's accurate, but also in a timely manner that may not disrupt the game or the flow of the game or be easy for the referees to understand or the crowd? Like, Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, there really are a number of these ancillary sort of uh, challenges out there, and one of these just highlighted is the whole concept of uh, the universality of the, of, of the rules. Uh, if, if we talk about soccer specifically, you know, if, if you're now talking about goal line technology, which most commentators kind of estimate on the cost of, in the region of half a million per venue, uh, plus an ongoing cost. If you take the likes of, say, of the UK, uh, it's difficult to see clubs outside the Premiership in the UK having the revenue to do that. Now, various com- you know commercial uh, sponsorship deals might make it more achievable, but you'll certainly never go beyond uh, down to the lower professional levels, whether it's League Two or League Three in the UK, and certainly not down to the uh, down to the uh, semi-professional uh, conferences and what have you. So you've now got a scenario where we'll say, in, in the likes of Old Trafford, you, you've got the system. In the likes of the uh, typical non-league or lower league team, you don't have it. So what happens when, you know, in certain competitions like the FA Cup, you have games against uh, between Premiership teams and, and lower league teams, and you know, is the system turned off then? Is the system turned on? Obviously, if it's you know. If the game is in the likes of Old Trafford, you have the system there. If the game is being played in the non-league teams uh, uh, venue, then you don't have it there. So, you know, who, who, you know how do you fit that in within the uh, the rules of the game? The the whole concept of communicating with the referees, I think, is, is relatively straightforward. FIFA in their uh, in their current evaluation phase that they've been doing in the last the initial phase was done towards the end of last year, and uh, we've now got a second phase ongoing. One of the requirements there is that the system has to communicate to the referee within one second of the ball crossing the line via uh, either an audio signal in an earpiece or a vibratory signal on a wristband type device. And so communicating with the referee is straightforward. But yeah, you've got this, um, I guess you have this sort of division then between what the referee knows and what the crowd knows. And, you know, that's again going to be something that uh, we have to see how it plays out uh, in terms of uh, how the how Typical supporters attending the game or indeed sports watching it on the TV, how they get used to this. And I guess another very important point I think 
which I try to highlight when I'm talking to people about this, is that eventually, you know, there's going to be a scenario where whatever system or systems are adopted or approved by FIFA, you know, eventually they're going to make it an error. You know, all systems, I'm sure you appreciate that, all engineering systems have some systemic error in there, whether you know, in this case, it's going to be an error in terms of the ability to localize the position of the, of, of, of the ball in three-dimensional space and in time. And eventually, it's a simple matter of fact that some event is going to happen. Now, it could be 10 years from now, it could be 10 months from now, where a ball does cross the line and it's not picked up as a goal, or vice versa, it's picked up as a goal by the scoring system and it doesn't actually fully cross the line. And it's a question of whether that may be picked up by television cameras separately. And we have an, uh, basically a, a system where the general public are being led, I think, by the media in general to believe that this is going to be the holy grail that will never make mistakes. But the reality is that at some point in time, it will make mistakes. So I think there's a bit of an educational bit of work to be done by the likes of FIFA and these technology companies to kind of educate the, the, uh, the general public and the media in general about the practical limitations of this, that maybe it's 99.9% accurate or 99.99% accurate, but eventually there is the possibility that uh, an error may take place. So that's another a- aspect of this, which I think, yeah, you know, is a little bit glossed over by the media in terms of uh, looking at goal line technology as being the holy grail of solving all these problems. Um, as my friends in the, uh, the Gaelic Athletic Association here in Ireland have said, they've actually adopted Hawkeye for uh, a trial period as well starting this year for two years in their main stadium in Dublin. And they're solely going to restrict it to the point scoring area, the area above the cross line, uh, or the crossbar, excuse me, because they've actually looked at the whole area of goal detection, you know, what happens below the goal. And they've gone back and they've done an analysis of their high-level games that they played in the main stadium, Cole Park in Dublin, over the last five years. And essentially, they have seen that there are very few, if any, cases in the last five years where a goal uh, has been questioned as uh, whether or not it should have been scored uh, or shouldn't have been awarded or when it wasn't awarded or it was awarded when it shouldn't have been. And that's why they've said, well, we're not going to open potentially a Pandora's box there of trying to apply this technology to to goal detection. We're only going to do it to point detection, which is where they have had their problems. So I think it's, a, it's quite a, a relatively smart move for, for, for that particular setting that they're only applying it to uh, areas where they have recognized through kind of a historic analysis that there is a potential problem with the points and not to goals, which is probably um, an area where you know you don't have to, to level a problem. Now, uh, in soccer, uh, it's obviously a global, it's a global game. Every time there's a questionable decision, whether it's the question the issue of uh, the goal that wasn't awarded to Frank Lampard back in the uh, World Cup in South Africa, uh, even in, in, in the recent last month or two, there was a, a goal which should have been awarded in the Premiership game. I think it was Queen's Park Rangers and Bolton, I think. You know, you get an awful lot of press and media coverage of this, which at the back of mind, you have to kind of consider, well, in reality, how often does this happen? And, you know, the question is, how, compared to um, how often the referee and the officials get it wrong, well, how often is uh, a goal line technology system actually going to get around? I don't think anyone has actually ever considered that comparison. Uh, and I think it's quite an interesting uh, question. You know, is the goal line technology system actually going to be any better or any worse than how currently it's been officiated? 
particularly with the, with the level of the Champions League, where they do have actually goal line officials as well. You know, I think it's an interesting question that uh, has to be asked, you know. This issue of, of whether goal line technology is better than refs, I think, is an interesting one. From from Correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand it, FIFA is looking for a system that's nearly infallible. But as, as you said, it will make a mistake at one point. From what you've seen, do you think the, the governing bodies of various organizations considering some sort of goal or point technology, do you think they're looking for a system that's, that's perfect or a system that's better than what they have in place, what they have in place either as just normal refs or also refs at the goal line? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a good question. If I take, perhaps contrast my perception of two different organizations, uh, I think FIFA are very much, as we all know, an organization that's very sensitive to criticism. I think a lot of their impetus, current impetus, towards goal line technology is a reaction to the level of criticism that was rightly leveled at them um, as a result of very high-profile um, that were made. You say, again, going back to Frank Lampard, and previously, previous to that, you had various decisions, again, focusing solely on the UK, uh, in premiership games, very high profile premiership games. So I think a lot of the impetus has got, uh, uh, for their activity has, has been driven by that. And I think they have not been as active in terms of the whole, considering the whole area of, uh, is goal line technology going to be better than what they have at the minute? I, I particularly contrast that to uh, the setting in the, uh, in the uh, the Irish setting here in the, in the Gaelic Athletic Association, where they have looked back historically and said, well, um, you know, we don't have a problem in a particular area. There's been very few, if any, errors actually made when we retrospectively look back on, on goal decisions. Whereas when they look back on points decisions, they can clearly identify in every season there have been uh, several decisions that have gone wrong, and that's where they have the, the problem. Now, they are fully aware that uh, the system that they're, they're taking on board and that's why they're looking at it over an evaluation period of two years before they, they actually bring it into the rules of the game is they want to look at the accuracy of it and look at whether there's any errors uh, being made by the system. Go back to FIFA. Now FIFA are going through a very, very thorough, I must say it is very, very thorough evaluation process for the candidate technologies. They've, they've gone through an initial phase where they've gone from, I believe uh, in the end it was eight candidates now candidate technology is down to two for the second phase. And they do have a very thorough set of criteria laid out there where they clearly do recognize that the systems do have limitations. Uh, you know, a n- number of the tests that were carried out in phase one and a number of the tests which are proposed in phase two, they have clear criteria laid out that the systems must be capable of uh, correctly uh, making decisions and uh, also capable of uh, identifying the position of the ball down to an accuracy of, uh, I think it's uh, a centimeter or so. So they are certainly cognizant of the fact that there are limitations in the system, but um, maybe they're not um, as clear in terms of their media um, output, in, in terms of making the general media and the general public and the general soccer viewing public aware of these limitations uh, as perhaps they could be. In the next three to five years, where do you see some of this technology going? Do you think it's... It seems going in the direction where um, FIFA is going to adopt something at least for trial runs. Is this just going to be technology that kind of just assimilates itself in the game and then eventually filters down, or is there some breakthrough technology on the horizon that's just going to make it um, a lot easier to kind of do detection systems? 
Yeah, we're at a very interesting, I think, very, very interesting point in, in terms of the whole goal line technology uh, story, uh, particularly with FIFA. The initial evaluation they did towards the end of last year, um, as I said, there was eight candidate technologies uh, submitted to it. Now, they have shortlisted that down to two uh, based on those two candidate technologies uh, being the only ones which actually met all the uh, predefined criteria in the first phase of testing. And there's some interesting, you know, really interesting stuff. Uh, simply as an engineer, there's some absolutely really elegant solutions, both uh, in the first phase and the two technologies that have made it through to the second phase. So maybe I'll just talk a little bit about the two technologies that made it through and and, and where they're going in terms of uh, what FIFA have in mind. The two technologies that made it through are, the first one is the uh, very well-known uh, Hawkeye system, which is uh, currently being used, obviously, fully in, in, in the game of cricket, in, uh, obviously in the UK, uh, UK quite a lot, but obviously uh, also out in Asia and uh, Australia, where cricket is very, very active. So it's quite well proven there. Um, one has to say that uh, Hawkeye as a company, uh, which is now owned, of course, by Sony, is a, quite a secretive company in terms of not really publishing that widely in terms of how their system works for commercial uh, reasons, obviously. But this is probably the first time it's gone through a very extensive uh, evaluation. So clearly it's got uh, very good capabilities in terms of passing what FIFA set down in the first phase. It's a camera-based system, as I've said before, that looks at the goal area using uh, a minimum of three cameras, but I think uh, Hawkeye are proposing, uh, uh, I think it's five or six cameras looking at each goal to deal with cases where maybe uh, one camera is occluded, or the ball is occluded from a view of one camera. And basically uh, the system uh, analyzes the video imagery, identifies the location of the ball in each of the uh, video feeds, and uh, from that, uh, knowing the relative position of the cameras in the real world in terms of where they're positioned in the stadium, it can work out to a very high degree of accuracy the actual location of the ball in, in, in relative to the goal area and hence can track it in time. So that's a nice, uh, elegant solution. As I said, relatively well proven with admittedly some questions arising over the last few years with, say, where it has been used in the game of cricket, but a relatively well proven, well uh, well accepted in the media world, television world type of technology, uh, and, uh, you know, very, very elegant. Now, the other interesting, very interesting one is the other candidate which made it through to the second phase, which was a, a little bit of a, of a dark horse candidate, one which was not particularly widely known. It's a, it's a consortium called Goalrec, which is a, a Danish, German, German company. It's a technology which is developed in, a, the, in an academic setting that commercialized, and it's an in-ball technology, which is quite interesting. Basically, they have a, an electronic system inside the ball, uh, which emits uh, radio waves, and around the goalpost, uh, they have a system of receivers, which pick up the emissions coming from the ball, and by working out the relative uh, arrival time of radio signals coming from the ball, they can, uh, at the various receivers that are embedded around the goalpost, they can figure out where the ball is in the three in the three-dimensional world and when it crosses the uh, goal-scoring uh, plane of the goal. So it's a very, very, I must say, as an engineer, it's a very, very elegant solution. Now, I suppose where the practicality comes in and what the second phase of testing with FIFA is all about is kind of moving from very, uh, very staged uh, testing settings to using the system in real games and various weather conditions and different types of pitches, etc., is to look at the practicalities of that that type of in-ball solution. You know, will it work well? We've got all issues to do with 
with uh, charging this, the electronic system that's in the ball, can that be maintained for the duration of the game? Uh, is the system going to suffer damage as a result of just normal playing, weather damage, etc., etc.? So um, it's a really interesting solution, I must say, the, the GoRec one. It mimics in some way the original goal line uh, technology solution, which was proposed by a, another German consortium, I think, a company called Kairos, who worked with originally Adidas uh, on another ball, uh, in-ball technology, which was reviewed in the first phase of, though this was the original concept, which FIFA worked with back all the way, I think, to about 2005. Uh, and that was another in-ball technology. So, um, it's going to be an interesting time. I mean, FIFA uh, and, more importantly, the rule-making rule body, which is, a, again, a very little-known body called the International Football Association Board, which uh, is a combination of the three football associations in the United Kingdom, uh, and the uh, FIFA also have a, vote, a number of votes on that. Uh, so the, that's the body that makes the final decision. Uh, they'll review the results of the second phase of testing of these two remaining candidate technologies. And they've basically indicated that they will approve uh, one or more technologies. So it's quite conceivable they may approve both of them and leave it up then to leagues to decide which of the two they will go with. Now, the Premiership in the UK have already clearly indicated that they would like to deploy a technology, ideally for next season, but they have admitted now that maybe the timeline of that is, is too tight. So I think we'll definitely see this technology being deployed at the highest level um, in, in, uh, in the very, very near future. Now I think in terms of finding its way down, that's a more interesting challenge. I, I really can't see a way in which a video-based system um, like um, what Hawkeye have will find its way down beyond, as I said before, the very high level, professional levels. Now, what's interesting about the goal resolution is that they have already actually brought out a kid's toy of a goal line protection system, uh, where you can have your uh, small little goal for your children in your back garden, and they have a special ball, and uh, the system itself has a little display on the goal which shows when the ball has crossed the line. So they have a system which can uh, be deployed in your front garden. So that kind of suggests to me that this is a technology that may just find its way down below the elite level to other levels. Okay, so yeah, I think there is scope there uh, for finding its way down to the, uh, the the more elite level, particularly with this uh, this goal ref technology. It's, it's certainly a very interesting interesting technology and one I think which uh, might find its way down to the grassroots level, maybe at some stage in the future. That's great. It's definitely a lot of things to consider with the whole technology and the changing and how the leagues kind of embody this the solution. So if people want to find out more about you or your university and kind of the work you're doing as well as Goline Technology in general, where would you point them to? Well, in terms of my own uh, research, my own discipline here, we're, we're very active in, in, in a lot of different areas, uh, just, uh, just one area. Uh, you can go to our website, uh, which is www.ee.nuigalway.ie. That's uh, www.ee.nuigalway.ie. And you'll find a lot of, uh, hopefully, interesting stuff about a variety of different research areas we do there. In terms of finding out a lot more about Goldline technology, GoRef has their own website. Uh, Hawkeye have their own website. You can find out on the FIFA website about their evaluation process, which I think is actually quite an interesting read 
and in terms of the white paper they have out which describe what they're doing, what the tests are. Very, very interesting one there. Just go to the FIFA.com website and uh, do a search there on Goldline Technology and you'll find the specifications. You'll find a lot of stuff, general reading uh, in terms of Goldline Technology on Wikipedia, uh, uh, which uh, pulls together from a lot of different sources. So a lot of good stuff out there in general sources. Great, and we'll also post the video. You did a talk, uh, I guess, yeah. a couple months ago about um, kind of the whole field and in a lot more detail than what we talked about today. So we'll post that along with this episode. So great, Liam. This is really interesting. So thank you for your time. Thanks, for, thanks, Mike, for having me. And that is the episode. Thank you, Liam, and thanks, listeners, for listening. We'll put the links we mentioned on our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com, and please follow us on Twitter at sportstechpod. Bye.